0: Welcome to Off Hours, a conversation between John Edwards and Chris Manning. This is part two of our interview with independent watchmaker Christian Lass. If you haven't yet listened to the first part, I recommend going back and downloading it. It's episode 72 of Off Hours, and uh, catch up with that before you get into this episode. If you're interested in following more of Christian's work, you can find him on Instagram at Christian You can also find his watchmaking courses at learnwatchmaking.com. And you can find more about his independent watchmaking at christianlass.dk or christianlass.com.
1: Now, with respect to CNC machining, was Vianney's workshop the, the first workshop where you were exposed to CNC machining for watchmaking, or were you exposed to it prior to that?
2: Uh, prior, it was uh, manual machines. Uh, when I worked with Soren Anderson, it was uh, like uh, manual uh, milling machines. We had some pieces made outside uh, some supplier that makes pieces by CNC, but it was very, very limited. That was all, all by, by, by hand in his uh, workshop or by like manual machines. In uh, Vianney's workshop, uh, there was the first time I was really exposed to, to CNC work uh, with his machine. Because I had seen it, uh, I met Viani before I finished my, my education. So in, in 2000, I finished in six and I, in 2004, I, I met him on one of these academy meetings. And, and I, I, I saw at that time that if you want to make watches, you, you kind of have to have a CNC machine as well. So I, I built actually in these two years, like a CNC machine uh, my, myself, that's the one you see and uh, that I still use today. And so, so therefore I was exposed to it just by learning it my, myself. And then later in uh, Vianney's workshop, I was exposed to how actually, because in the beginning, I couldn't make these uh, miniature components that there's a lot of uh, knowledge that go in, in, in into that. Uh, because basically your tools, if, if you don't know how to, to use it and which cooling liquid and which bead and whatever, if, if, if you're, if you buy one of these, you know, like a 0.2 or 0.1 millimeter cutter, it will just break for you immediately when when it, when it, it touches them the, the the material. So if if you don't have all the parameters correct, it, it will not uh, cut like not not, very, not for not for very long. And uh, and these tools, you know, they they, they easily cost cost like hundred dollars uh, for 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 tiny tool. Yeah. And uh, if it only it gets like a really expensive parts, if you need like four or five of them to to, to get around. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've had some very expensive days in the shop where I've broken a number of. Very tiny cutters, and uh, by the you know by the end of the day, it was it's cost me hundreds of dollars in broken parts. So broken tools, I, I so I understand what you're what you're saying there.
2: Yeah, I, I I had a problem with one of I had to do some uh, micro drilling where I have like a zero point four millimeter drill. I have to drill through the main plate that is uh, that is two and a half millimeter thick. So it's a very deep hole, and yeah. I, for 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 some 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 reason, it it, it drill in the beginning perfect and. And and then, and then, after a while, I couldn't tell why it, it just broke in, in inside the hole until I, I figured out, or I didn't figure it out. I just took the manual for for the drill and actually read what, what it says, and and then everything was, was explained how I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, that that I actually was uh, going with too much rpm, so 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 the, ah. so the tip of the drill was getting hot and expanded, and then it was trapped right. in, in, inside the hole and it broke. And, and and as soon as it just regulated at like the speed a tiny bit down, it just made like hundreds of holes with the snow, no no problem.
0: Micro machining is challenging and and you really have to understand the principles of machining to, to do it well. Exactly. Uh expansion of metals through heat, expansion of tools through heat, rubbing instead of cutting, all of those things, they they really you know, they really become a problem when you're dealing with such small work.
2: Exactly. It's, it's especially like the the rubbing versus cutting because in yeah. in the beginning you just think, okay, you just have to have like as much RPM as it can take and then like very, <laughs> very, very little feed rate. And then it just goes very slowly through the material and you think, oh, that's, that is that is going to do my cutter last forever because it doesn't have any chip load at all. But I actually do do the opposite, that it gets dull and, 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 and break. And it's kind of, it feels really weird to cut the RPM by two, two-thirds, so instead of driving with yeah. 60,000, just do 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 20,000, and then put the feed rate to, to the double, and saying okay, that's going to break as soon as it, it touches. But then it just <laughs> cuts through like, like like butter instead.
1: Yeah, an area we've not been able to find much good information on in, in terms of feeds and speeds for watchmaking is for making those tiny threads. Mm-hmm. I make most threads by hand, so you can feel it. But if you want to automate that process, having your feeds and speeds dialed in right is really important and which hole sizes to start with and, and all that too do you happen to know of any good resources for that sort of information
2: yes you have to go to to the manufacturer that that makes uh, the, the, the cutters and then ask for for the table that fits they normally have like uh, manuals where, where it says if, if you have to make like a 0.5 uh, millimeter fret or something like that then 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 you have to drill a hole that is i don't know like 0.41 or some, something like, like that uh, to, to to be like optimal and uh, and then it's really important also like if you do it by hand uh, you will often break the cutters because mm-hmm. they seize up in in the hole and uh, if you have like a fret cutting machine uh the material uh, like kind of cut so fast that it's it, it doesn't it seize up in the hole. And it's actually really, really easy to to, to make it with, with, with that. I have one of these uh, Ashera uh, fret cutting machines mm-hmm. that I use for, for everything. And it's uh, it's uh, as soon as I get that, I... <laughs> They're wonderful things. Exactly. And, and, and you even have uh, fret cutters that drill first, and then they have the fret cutters on and, and, and the same drill bit. Uh, so right. it's uh, so you should just have to make a point and then you can uh, can, can drill and fret in the same operation.
0: It, it is terrifying though the first time you take one of those tiny little exactly end yeah. mills or your tiny little uh, taps and you you uh, push it into a hole with a with a machine that that, that always terrifies me. <laughs> yeah.
1: so do you know offhand uh, what manufacturers make uh, drill and thread all in one uh, that sort of scale?
2: Uh, yeah, there's. Oh, um, I just uh, buy them directly from Asco, A S C O, and uh, that's this, uh, okay. that they can, can can buy them. And but there's many different manufacturers. I don't know if Dixie is doing them. Um, mainly Dixie is the best cutters for CNC and so on. And I'm sure they also make fret cutters. Um, but they're mostly made in uh, tungsten. Right. But but that is also that's like superior. But the only thing is they cannot twist at all because then they break. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to keep them to- totally uh, uh, straight. So if you do it by by hand, you will experience that they break immediately. Yeah, but it's true for the first time. Uh, my machine is rated that it can do between zero uh, point three millimeters up to a millimeters thread. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I-, I I want to test it one one time. So I put one of these zero uh, point three, and then you know, like just by hand, it's almost impossible yeah. without breaking them. And uh, and it just like psh, went went through like butter, you know. <laughs> and it just looks totally insane when it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, because you 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 just look at this little uh, tap and it's like, okay, oh, I'm gonna put it in. I know we're gonna waste you know like uh, thirty or forty dollar like like in uh, <laughs> yeah in 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 half a second. But I'm gonna do, do the do the test. But then it just works like perfectly. <laughs>
0: the first silver case that i made i uh, i broke a a 1 millimeter tap in the case because silver is very gummy when mm-hmm. you're trying to thread it and i i broke a tap in the case and the the amount of swearing in the shop that day because not <laughs> only did you just break your expensive tap you now have to figure out
2: how to get the the broken tap out of your expensive case that you've just made mm. but you can uh, what how do you get it out was acid or was uh, erosion or
0: um i was able to get most of it out through uh i was able to get it like sort of grab it with uh oh, with some okay. pliers and get yeah, most yeah. of it out but uh the the little bit that was left in there i had to burn out with acid because there was no uh, other way of getting it exactly. it was just too deep in but yeah it's 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 still frustrating though so yeah. i
2: i went away for the day and i i was finished for the day i didn't uh, yeah. i didn't keep working <laughs> Yeah, but, but that that that's like that in watchmaking. You probably also have the experience when yeah. you when when you can just feel in the morning this is going to be a crappy day. I'm going to do. Yeah. It's going to break something or something, and, and and then you start, and sure enough, you just break something, and you could just as well. Uh, yeah. After
0: <laughs> you've launched a couple of jewels across the workshop because you're you know you gripped them too tight or whatever, it's yeah. like okay, that's <laughs> not a day. day for watchmaking. <laughs> That's right.
1: (laughs) The difference between a good day and a bad day for a watchmaker can be 0.05 millimeters. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. So it sounds like it was a bit of a a trial by fire for you there in the the early days in Vianney's workshop. Are there any tips or or techniques or tricks you recall picking up in in those early days as a a beginner?
2: I think the biggest trick I learned was to shut up and listen. (laughs) And that was like... (laughs) 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 After four years in... uh... in 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 watchmaking school you kind of think you're the king of the world and and then you start in a place like like Vianney and you're really you know like after the first week I was was, (laughs) it it crossed my mind too to go back again you know because it was so hard you know like never experienced anything like 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 that before because as I said you know like in school you you're in in most watchmaking schools in the world you don't learn how to produce watches you learn how to to right. to, to repair them to service them yeah. yeah it's a service exactly so you can take them apart and put them together without making too much of a mess and it, that is a really uh, but but to, to 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 be able to, to do some of uh, these things you know like i think the first product i uh, project i was in was uh helping with the capistone uh, watch hmm. uh, which was this great crazy watch with a uh, uh, fusée and a uh, tublion and the uh, digital readout, I don't know. But that that was such a crazy project. <laughs> that was, uh, and uh, so so know that there was a lot of tricks. You know, like that is mo- most of it. You know, is just general machining. That is that is just like for micro uh, components. Also, it was a big surprise to me how much labor that goes into producing the the the, the that's a, that's a huge deal, you know, like when I was in Vianney's place at that time, I think it was like 15 employees and we were doing uh, maybe a, like, I don't know how these days, maybe 30 to 50 watches or something. So it was, uh, there was so much time, just, just like today, you know, like that's uh, just, just to, to make a part. It takes so many different steps and operations. It's a never ending story before you have uh, made, made, uh, made a piece.
1: Mm-hmm. Last year you visited the Watt case making Museum in Le Noir. How did that visit impact your approach to case making or, or change your approach to case making?
2: yeah I mean, I basically found like the the workshop that I have now. I found it in the same city in uh, Normand, uh, and it was uh, uh, it was an old workshop that's been closed down. And I found it because I spoke with some friends that said like, oh, maybe you talk with this guy and I talk with him and they say like, ah oh, yeah, I have an uncle in the mountain somewhere and I came out to this place. And then I also heard that they had this uh, museum of, uh, of case making. So, uh, so, so being up there and make this uh, little podcast about like the, the museum, I, n- I knew most of the processes before because I've seen workshops like this and how, how, how they work. But there was a lot of small details that you that you really first see when you are in a museum like that. So everybody who have like the possibility to to go there, is really worth the, the the visit. It's not that far from La Chaudfontaine. You have to to drive like half an hour from from, from there to to get to the museum.
1: So is Noirmont where you acquired your your butler yes. case making? Yes.
2: Yes it was like a private place so it was uh you know we were standing in the back of a garage uh, under a lot of uh, garbage and stuff so <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: where you find the best tools though. exactly
2: <laughs>
0: and and i i know my i have um i also do engine turning work and a number of my engines have come from in in places like that where they've been sort of buried under under a bunch of stuff in the back of a shop and nobody's used it for 40 or 50 years and and so they're they're just sick of looking at it and they want to get rid of it. So sometimes that's where you find the best tools.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did, when you talk about like engine uh, turning, I did find, I don't know, you have to think I was ever on my Instagram, there's like a picture of like restoration work on on, uh, an engine turning lace, uh, which was one of these like copying lace that was used for, for especially for hand engravers, that if they have to repeat a pattern, then they made like a master plate and then they could kind of pre-trace The piece was uh, engraving with these plates and then they and, and then the hand engraver could finish it off afterwards i found one of these in one of these um, uh what's called small ads uh news uh, what's called the websites where people are selling mm-hmm. uh, stuff and, uh, and, and and it just said like strange rusty lace for, for for sale. <laughs> <laughs> and and there was just this rusty piece and I just looked at it and said, Jesus, man, that's a roast engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it sounds like a brocading engine and th- those are they're not easy to find if and nobody has any idea what they are.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was brocade engine. So I I, I just called the guy and and he just and I just by coincidence, yeah, yeah he just had it up for five minutes or something like this, just, and, I, <laughs> and it was such a luck. And it's just like, I don't care what you do, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm there, like, and you know, like, I'm, I'm just driving from, from, from now. on. <laughs> 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 and thank then, then, yeah. So uh,
0: yeah, th- those over here in North America, that that sort of thing is is very difficult to find here. Yeah, and so yeah, we uh, anytime you know, there's sort of a group of us that are always looking on the you know, on the lookout for those, and we're like vultures. And time that sort of thing comes available, it, we pounce on it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's, for, they're for, difficult
2: to find. Yeah, the problem is that the that the big uh, companies are getting so much into to Gillespie work that that they also they buy up all all the old machines and uh, and and the prices for, for, for the machine. If you have to have a good roshan to, to, to today, I mean, you can uh, buy a Ferrari almost for, for the same price. You know? So it's uh, so so it's not uh, something that you, you do as a hobby anymore as it was before yeah
0: and it's it's very frustrating because companies like breguet are buying up a lot of these antique rose engines but they don't actually use them in their production work they're they're buying them up in order to to keep them off the market and they're mm, actually okay, using okay. modern modern engines that they've built like custom modern uh, rose engines and whatnot so it's a it's a little frustrating for for the smaller guys like me who want to do engine turning work but can't uh, can't get these
2: machines easily mm. But I think uh, I don't know how precise they are. But Lind- Lindov is also doing some. I saw them, and I'm I'm quite yeah. uh, impressed about the work he's doing. When I'm following him on, in Instagram,
0: yeah, David Lindov's engines. I've uh, I've worked with them a bunch of times. He he only lives a four hour drive away, ah, okay. so I, yeah, I've yeah. I've been down to visit him a number yeah. of times. I bought a uh, field rose engine off of him a number of years ago, and it's a very similar size to the to the engines that he builds. Yeah, and. A lot of the lower-end ones that he makes are geared out specifically to do ornamental turning in wood. It's so a ah, live yeah. tool cutting in yeah, wood. Yeah. Uh, but he does also make ones that are, are specific for doing uh, guillasse work in metal. Hmm. And those, they're quite nice. And if, uh, you know, if, if there's somebody out there looking for a, a rose engine to, to work with and you don't want to go through the hassle of trying to find a, an antique one and then restore it and everything... I can highly recommend getting one of David's uh, engines. They're they're very
1: excellent.
2: Mm.
1: Okay. During your time at Patek and and now too, performing restoration work as an independent watchmaker, you've had the opportunity to work on a number of minute repeaters. So, what are some of the the characteristics that you particularly like or dislike uh, about the approach that certain makers have taken when crafting a minute repeater over the centuries? And if you were to design your, your own minute repeater, what are some of the technical choices you think you would make?
2: Uh, yeah, that's a good question because the repeaters, they haven't really changed that much over the time. Uh, first, of, of course, there was like the really, really old ones made by Quare, uh, and that is was using this like Stockton system. When you will shift from the quarters, from hours to quarters and so on, then the then the levers will lift up and down, and then it will change the the, the, the racks like like, like that. Hmm. The the one they uh, they they have like a much more like clever system where where one rack get activated after and an, another. I, I mean the 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 Lecoultre, the later ones of, of those ones they, in in my opinion, it doesn't get much better than than than, than that. I mean that works like extremely well. The only the only problem with minute repeater is that you have so many individual parts that have to function together and absolutely everything have to be like in a super precision and super well regulated otherwise it doesn't work and uh, and 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 that's what also makes like the minute repeater both in the past and also now like extremely expensive because there's so much manual labor in it in in order to to make it work it's, it's not like you can just machine the parts uh, and then put it in and then it will work it, it doesn't work like, like like that so when when you're working with the uh, with the repeaters, you get the parts like as raw parts, and uh, and then you have to uh, file and polish all the different function, all the uh, points where the where there's friction in between to to, to make it work, and uh, and and that is like a really like a big uh, like, like like a big part of uh, of making uh, the, the the repeaters, and 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 also restoring them. I mean, some sometimes I've, I have restored repeaters where the minute rack, for example, was was missing and. And to hmm. and and to, to figure out like the form of it and uh, geometry just from looking at the parts, you know, like that is uh, really mind-boggling. Uh, <laughs> you have to do a lot of uh, tests before you have something that that works in the end. But but then then again, as we talked before, you have something like the profile projector where you can go in and measure that that directly in the movement if you have one with a surface illumination. Uh, then 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 you can go in you put the movement in. And then you take all the co- coordinates of different pins and levers and all this, mm. and then you can basically draw the the, the part from the coordinates in a drawing program, and then make the parts uh, that, that that way.
0: And that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about using a using a uh, comparator like that. That's a that's a good good uh, good idea. Now, of course, one of the problems with the minute repeater is that even after you have it functioning technically, to make it sound good, you also have to have a nice case. So you really. You know while a lot of people look at a case and they're like, "Oh okay, I want to make it look like this and I want to make it pretty with the minute repeater you're you're limited because you really want it to sound good as well so that that's that's a, a quite a challenge too
2: yeah ab- ab- absolutely and um, and especially in the the old cases uh, one of the things that make them sound really good is that the the goal it's like uh, com- com- compressed, and uh, and mm-hmm. they make like a like a band of uh, gold that is like, and and then when they turn it out, it's like compressed, so it's super hard, and then it's like right. super thin afterwards. So so the sound it gets just like it. The, the case. I always compare it a little bit like a, with with a, with an instrument. If you take like a violin, for example, then, then then the strings is the movement, but the sound comes from from the case. It's just like the body of the violin that really mm-hmm. uh, produced the sound afterwards. So the case is extremely important. And uh, another thing that is extremely important is that um, the the movement, like the tighter fit you have between the movement and the case, the better the sound gets distributed from the movement to the case. Right. And that is one of the things. So when you work on uh, repeater watches, especially like the the old ones, it's sometimes it's almost impossible to put the movement out because it's really pressure fit in in inside. Hmm. And uh, and and then also the the, the gongs there the. Um, the foot, what's called like a t- talon there where the, the gongs are fixed to, to the plate. Uh, that also have to be extremely well well made. It's normally like mirror polished underneath. And then there's like a middle part taken out. So there's like a smaller arc in between the two screws. So where the screws are pressing, it just press directly on the main plate and it cannot like kind of twist or wrap underneath on, on, on the and therefore the sound get distributed. Uh, like really well from the gongs and then into the main plate and then from the main plate to the case and then out and in, in the world afterwards. So they it, it right. have have like quite a long way the, the the sound in in order to to get out.
0: I I have an old minute repeater watch that uh, an old pocket watch movement that was orphaned from its case. Uh, the the case was melted down and and uh, sold for scrap. But uh, I, I've been wanting to make a a replacement case for it for a number of years. But I I've been a little terrified of doing it because I know just how, how difficult it is to make a, a case that
2: then allows the the movement itself to sound good and the, the chimes to sound good. Mm, yeah, it, it definitely. Is, it's it's not so so easy. I mean, I never made any like that that kind of uh, case-making work because that is really something else, you know, like to make like a pocket watch case. It's so complicated. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ones who can, can do that, that is uh, like an extraordinary uh, task. Uh, but 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 another thing I've been working a lot with is making uh, like like the gongs uh, to to make those those ones sound nice, and that that is also like a like a huge job. Uh, so uh, when when you make the gongs, you basically have first the foot where they are soldered in into, and then you have like a piano wire that you use for for, for making the gong itself. Uh, but when you have made them and and they're not tuned. They will not really produce any kind of now uh, any kind of pleasant sound. They will basically just like like uh ping ping ping. They will not sing any like nice big sound out of it. So uh, afterwards, there's a lot of different points that you have to to adjust in in order to open up the sound first of it, and uh, and then uh, second of all to to tune it so it gets into to, to the right uh, note and 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 all this. So the, there's like a, quite an art and a science to to do that, and that is what really sets apart like the like the sound of the different uh, re- repeaters that is like 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 the gongs itself. And also the way they're like heat treated. I mean, I only make like the like for the vintage uh, pocket watches. the one who, who taught me who like to 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 do that, there was like for example, you to harden them, they have to be hardened in uh, salt water. Uh, because, because normal water will not make them hard enough. So uh, there's like a, a salt water where it's like a, what you call like a complete saturation. I don't know what's called in English.
1: Super saturated
2: solution. Yeah, you put as much salt as you can into. In you cannot uh, dissolve anymore. Then, then afterwards, you harden them in a special little uh, jig that holds the spring in place. Otherwise, the gong will bend and wrap around. And when when you have done that then afterwards it becomes so hard, I mean you barely have to look at them then then the break. I don't know. Like it's really, really extremely hard. So so you have to you have to chamber them up afterwards and, and and there you can use like uh, different uh, mediums to, to do it, either like um, just like you do with normal parts, you do with uh, if you're tempering a, a pinion or something, you can do it in Vaseline oil where you're where you like heat it until they uh burst in, in into flames. But if you really want to do like the the the, the original version for for doing the, the repeaters, you use like the like the fat of uh, of uh, sheep's that you make like a little pot full of this fat, and then you heat it up until it melts, and uh, then then you basically boil it in in this until it burns also bursts into flames, and it smells uh, awful when you do it. It's like <laughs> you, you you have this kind of. Uh, Sheep or <laughs> furry yeah, thing yeah. that just uh, smells awful. So your workshop will smell like this for a week after, but you have like a nice uh, sound gong gong. Yeah. Nice.
0: Now is, is the sound um, guided by the the shape of the gong as well as the length, or is there like is there a relationship there with the with that curve, or is it is it mostly the length that's going to adjust the uh, the sound of it.
2: I mean, there's uh, there's uh, a lot of different things that you do. I mean, basically, like like the pitch, like the the height of the tone is the is the length. Mm, okay. And and then like the sustain of the tone. So instead of the same ping, it like ping, that is like mm. to um, uh, what's called you modify the attachment points where the gong is attached to 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 the foot, and then you you can uh, adjust that down there in various ways. Okay. But the biggest challenge is to... Because you want the gong, the end of the gong have to be steady. You know, if it starts to kick from side to side, it will hit the case and the movement. And uh, right. and, and and that can be quite challenging. So you basically have to modify it until you get like the right, the, the, the right uh, waveform inside. That can be really the the, the challenging part. So, um, so you put the the gong in, in your vice and then you hit it and then you file like a tiny bit and then and then when you file in the right place you can kind of hear that the sound is opening up so just like bing, 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 bing right. until it get like really, really good and then the the big trick is to stop before it's kind of uh, <laughs> <laughs> the mint chip because there's really You don't want to go too far Exactly yeah. there's like a sweet spot where it's really it's, it's, it's nice so.
1: Yeah, tempering in sheep's fat is, is not something I've, I've heard of before but it's not surprising when you consider How many of these pieces early on were being made on on farms in in the countryside of, of Switzerland? A similar thing I have heard, though, for minute repeaters from an older watchmaker is that they used to harden the gongs in horse urine, which makes sense because horse urine would be quite heavily salinated. Yeah. Yeah, but I like the the sheep's fat. It, it stank when you did. it. <laughs> <laughs> Not pleasant.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, I, I also heard that story, but uh, I, I also heard that it worked just as well with salt water. So for for, for me, it was Let's stick with the salt water. Yeah, it, it was kind of easier to get a hold of sheep's fat than horse urine. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, John. If we're if we're going to experiment with this with horse urine, we're doing it at your shop. Yeah. If we're going to use salt water, we'll do it at mine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any
1: thoughts on, on governors for minute repeaters?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I mostly worked on the older type of uh, governor where you have like this tiny ratchet, like a small escapement. Uh, that's the mm. one you can recognize by make this uh, buzzing sound because I mostly make like the vintage uh, re- repeaters. I also make, of course, some with uh, with the governor inside. Um, of course, like the governor is like a, like a better system because you don't have this button uh, like buzzing sound, which can be quite annoying in, in, in the old ones. Other than that, there's not such a big difference between the two. It's, it's just like a regulator that, that regulates the speed, where one is uh, pretty noisy and the other one is uh, silent.
1: So you've been investing a lot of time over the past number of months crafting a bespoke timepiece for Peter Christensen based on a vintage Jean-Pierre caliber. And I, I noted in an early render that there was no pin regulator on the, the balance cock. But in a more recent image of the balance cock in the metal that you posted, which is beautifully executed by the way, uh, I see that you've retained the a shield's pin regulator on the the balance bridge there. Given that the the balance wheel from that caliber is already equipped with balance screws, have you considered implementing a, a free sprung balance in, in this caliber?
2: Yes and and no because uh, both of them have like uh, both the free sprung and and the one with the regulator both have like uh, pros and cons. Uh, I think like the one with the with the regulator was used for uh, like a reason. Uh, first of all, because it's uh, easier to ad- adjust like the vertical position when you have uh, like a regulator. When when you have a uh, free sprung, it's uh, pretty difficult to do anything to the vertical positions. Uh, where with with the with the regulator, there you can regulate like like the distance between the um, the regulating pins, and uh, where the, the the hairspring is lying in in the the, the regulator. Uh, so um, from a technical point point of view, I really like 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 the like the regulator system. Uh, the thing with the free sprung is that it looks uh, amazing because it's really like uh, free, uh, like 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 that. But we are not like 100% determined that if you make like one or the other one yet. I mean, the picture I posted is from one of the first prototypes where we where we have to just make it run and then see how it keeps time and all this. So you're using the balance
0: out of the existing yes, movements? Yes, exactly.
2: okay. For the first one you used there, we used the balance out of the existing movement. Then we make uh, a different type of uh, regulator for the balance itself. I haven't posted mm-hmm. anything out of it yet uh, because I want to be finished with the first before. <laughs> it's kind of uh, kind of a new system. Uh, right. So I haven't really posted anything about it yet.
0: Now you had talked about, uh, I think in, in your interview with Oster Watches, you had talked about that you may do more than one of these. This isn't just going to be a one-off. Are you, are you planning on using existing movements for those as well, or are you planning on building these entirely from scratch?
2: It depends. I mean, I I can do both, but for making them into some kind of reasonable price, because in the end it's also like a matter of price point, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, because if I have to make uh, like every uh, component uh, here Mm. in in the workshop, uh, then... In the end, it's going to be like a really, really expensive watch. Yeah. So um, my philosophy of this is of what I do now is to take a like really, really high quality components and then build it together and then make up a product that is like, let's say like the sum of its part. Right. Just to, to give an idea, you know, like to, to, to make one wheel opinion and one wheel is like two, two days of work plus decoration. So it's easily, I mean, it's close to a week of work just to make sure. make, make one, one wheel. And if, if you have to do that on a consistent basis, then it's like, or if I have to make like a series of watches, then we'll, then just to make 10 watches, you know, that will take, (laughs) that will take years to do. Yeah. So from, from that point, I think it doesn't really make much sense for, for that type of type piece that I'm, I'm, I'm I'm doing here. I mean, if, if somebody wants it and and want to pay the price for it, of (laughs) course, I'm happy to do it. (laughs) No, 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 no question about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's always challenging finding somebody who can who's willing to pay for that. So are you you're just making the uh, you're going to make new plates and and bridges and cocks and whatnot for it and yeah exactly. and make them the, to your design and, and decoration and whatnot exactly.
2: So so so, so to make uh, like a uh, main main plate. Uh, first first of all, uh, what what I do uh, that I think is different to many others is that instead of just changing the free bridges and and top and make the aesthetics different. I have changed like the main plate because it gives also me like a lot of options to basically to to change. It gives me like total freedom to to, to do. I'm not locked from the position of the wheels and all this. And it also allows me to make, for example, I make like a different uh, uh, setting system uh, because uh, most setting systems that are made like, like in high productions are not exactly very beautiful or aesthetically nice. Uh, right. It, 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 because you, you 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 have the setting lever and set, setting lever spring that is sitting on top as this big plate that is covering everything, is it's not very very nice. So so I I have designed like like another system that is uh, in, inspired by some of. Uh, the, the work I have seen on older uh, Patek uh, pocket watches and Vacheron uh, models, and then we have incorporated that in, into that. Some people might say, okay, it doesn't really matter because it's under the dial, nobody would ever see it, but I know it's there and they collect the yeah. notes there, and that's kind of what, what counts to me.
0: And, and future watchmakers will know that
2: it's there as well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So I as, as think this of only making that there's a lot of watches that is just, as a watchmaker, I, I can say that, that a lot of watches that are really nice on one side and when you take off the dial, it's, it's a com- com- complete different story.
1: <laughs> so in those setting works, is there a sort of a Geneva seal sort of approach to it where there's no wire springs, everything is, all the springs themselves are actually made from, from steel stock and not from drawn wire?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I don't like wire springs, mm-hmm. that is kind of a sign of high production and and yeah. like cheap work normally. It's like, uh, you, you can see it, uh, for, for example, the first uh, Valshu chronograph, the 23 on the 72 is the same movement there, just with an hour counter. But the first model, the Series 1, have like these really beautiful springs. And then as soon as they realized that that was like a lot of work, then they change it for, 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 for these kind of uh, punched out like metal springs that are just like a plate that is bended in different forms. This is the approach that you see on many uh, watches because it's really, it takes a lot of time to, to, to make these uh, springs because first they, they, they have to be cut out and then afterwards they have to be adjusted in, in thickness and hardened and tempered and, 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 and what have you. Where just with a wire spring, you just cut a piece of wire and bend it and then you're finished. That's another approach. Of course, for, for, for cheaper watches, it makes total sense, you know, like this, it's, it doesn't make sense to, to, to make these kind of expensive uh, springs. But for uh, for for the high end pieces is is definitely make is, is springs. and it's also something that the collectors is uh, more and uh, more aware that there is these kind of differences.
0: But that's where we have an advantage: making smaller runs of watches that we can make a decision to to make better quality parts in certain cases, which are just impractical if you need to make a hundred thousand of them
2: or half a million of them or whatever. Yes, of course, because if 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 you have to 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 make like I don't know like a Fifty or hundred thousand springs, you know. For for me to, to to make like ten or twenty of them or fifty, I don't know how many. Then that is like a feasible task. But if you have so so many, yep. you you need like an army of people just to, to, just to make springs. Then then it doesn't make uh, <laughs> sense.
1: Uh, yeah, and then and a kind of pushed the limits and, and boundaries of what you can do with just a flat bent piece of, of metal that's just stamped out and and made in, in that manner.
0: Over the last few episodes, John and I have been talking a lot about your watchmaking masterclass because it's something that I, I've been following along. and And I have to say thank you first off for making that course. It's a uh, it's nice to see somebody actually doing the work. It's a lot of tasks that I know how to do because I've I've been a machinist, but it's nice seeing somebody doing them specifically in regards to watchmaking and and making new plates. So thank you for for putting that out. But I, I have to ask, that was a couple of years ago when you released that, and you were sort of alluding to the fact that there was going to be a, a follow-up course. Have you, uh, have you been working on that follow-up course, or do you, do you think you're going to be releasing that?
2: I know. I mean, when, when, when I made it, I, I had like a lot of time, and now time has become like a little bit more a limited resource. I have like a dream about making a, a, a course, and, uh, but just to give you an idea, like the Masterclass course took like three months to make. Uh, yeah. to, to to film, edit, and and, and all this, so it, so it's like a huge task to to make these courses, and um, yeah. the I can see the market for this kind of course is very limited, sure, so like very few of them compared to the other courses I have. Uh, so in that regard, it's kind of for, for me, it's basically taking three months off unpaid to 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 make like the like the next course. So that is like the main issue. Of, uh, of 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 doing it, uh, what what I have done is like I, I had some uh, some classes in in my workshop where I taught the techniques where people come uh, to to my workshop um, in in first in, in in Switzerland and then also here in in, in Denmark uh, and, and and that is kind of uh, maybe like for me like a better way to do it. Uh, where where I can where people can 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 travel here that that they learn the techniques and uh, and we have a good time with 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 that
0: yeah yeah I I can appreciate I, I've been doing a lot of video work lately and trying to trying to publish some some videos myself and I I can appreciate just how much time and effort it it adds to to doing anything like that and and then trying to create a a cohesive course is is challenging so I I, I understand the the challenges of it I do hope that you do it at some point I know I've had a I've had a bunch of follow up from other people who've who've listened to a few of our episodes on you know where we've discussed it, and a number of people have said that they they're really hoping that there there is one out there. So I, I do know that there are fans out there who will uh, who will enjoy it one day if you uh, if you get around to doing it.
2: No, but 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 it's definitely something that is uh, on on my list to do. But uh, at the moment, I'm uh, fully charged with. Uh, first of all, I didn't think we didn't touch about that, but we did like the restoration of this like uh, Jens Olsen clock that's been taking like a ton of time here the last year.
1: I was I was going to going to mention that. Yeah, like we're not off on another tangent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, that, that 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 was that was like a huge job, and then uh, the the next thing was just like to to settle here, like to move a whole uh, whole workshop or. Building a workshop, uh, building not building a house, but you know, like setting in like a new environment and uh, building mm-hmm. a or like, like like a new or how do you say like uh, getting new clients and, and 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 all this. Yeah. So have been like an enormous uh, uh, an enormous task uh, to do. Well, how long have you been back in Denmark then? Yeah. Uh, now now we we moved back in in Denmark in um, in July 2018. Uh, so okay. it's like two two years now. Yeah.
0: It is a lot of work setting up a new shop. I've been trying to do that myself, and it's it's very time consuming getting a new studio up and running.
2: Yeah, definitely. And then there's like just small stuff that, that that you don't think about, like uh, that you're that you have to have electricity and you, you you know like cooling and water and what what have you for, yeah. for 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 the machinery and 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 all this. And each little step, you think ah, oh, that's just like a half a day of work, and it ends up taking like <laughs> uh, two to three days each time you have to do something. And that's uh, of course. <laughs>
1: So, how many of the fifteen thousand plus components in Jens Olsen's world clock have you actually had your own hands on?
2: I mean, I basically have my hands on everything because I worked with it for four years when I was an apprentice. So, it's, mm-hmm. it's so I, I was like uh, helping with the maintenance and uh, and also like the general keep up of of, of this uh, extraordinary clock. Um, so, here the, the and this time with the servicing. Uh, of it because it's been like 20 years or 25 can remember some, something like like that since last time it was taken apart and and restored and now it was time again for it to to be serviced and uh, when when I started uh, there was a the plan that I have to do a lot of it but then there came like all the the corona covid uh, d- d- yes. d- d- disease and uh, since uh, a lot of my colleagues is uh, in in the age of re- retirement the, we We kind of agreed upon that I didn't work so much in, in 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 that workshop because I had like a lot of exposure to people and have children in in kindergarten and so on. So that, that therefore it became like less work that is first intended, but I don't know how many thousand parts I have in my hands out fifteen thousand. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, it's, it's such a like a totally insane project that they made at that, that time. To build this uh, clock, that should be the the clocks of all clocks, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's really yeah, it's such a also like super inspirational to to see. Uh, first of all, like the the mechanism is, is is one thing, and and the other thing is like like the design. I mean, they had like our architect to to make all the design of the components and uh, and uh, and and everything uh, in, in in that regard and uh, and and that is really like a study in uh, in in design and in proportion of uh, of the different pieces and so on so that is something uh, i really find find interesting
1: another interesting and insane mechanical object that i see you've been working on recently is your your calculator how is that process i've i've been asked to work on one and i, and I turned it down because i just finished some in-depth work uh, restoring a, an automaton that took a lot longer and much more effort than than I anticipated it would. And having not opened a Kurt calculator before, I wasn't wasn't willing yeah. to to take it on <laughs> in in the moment. Uh but but how was that process and, and did you learn anything doing that?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean it's like first of all I just like the the Kurtas because they're like first of all it's like this extraordinary history that about like mm-hmm. the maker who basically made it that at gun at gunpoint in order to to survive in in one of these camps in the, in the Second World War, uh, and then uh, second of all, it's like totally ahead of its time. I mean, the the design of it and all this is like it mm-hmm. looks like uh, like a Nikon cameras from the seventies or something like this, and mm-hmm. it's made like in in the end of the forties. And uh, so 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 in that respect, I really love the Curtis, and then just the the mechanics in inside that you're able to do. Really, really, come complex uh, mathematical operation with only me- mechanics. So, in inside, like it's not so complicated. I mean, that's also. I mean, I worked a lot <laughs> with complicated watches, so it might sound <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> maybe not the right one to to ask. But it's uh, it's it's basically a repetition of the same mechanism. Mm. Uh, each number have like one mechanism, and it's repeated for each uh, number. And, uh, right. and 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 then then you have like a pinwheel in the middle. Uh, that then turns around and then depending on how each mechanism is standing, you can make the calculations. So I must say it's really well built and it's really uh, fairly easy to, to, to service. The only, the only thing is that it's not so easy is that all the screws and all the components is extremely tight fit. I mean, they really want to make sure nothing uh, came came loose. Uh, so you really have to have like uh, super good screwdrivers and really good jacks for holding everything. Uh, or, or otherwise, there's a big risk of uh, of destroying some of the components.
1: So, did you make your own jigs to work on the curta? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I I made like a a really simple uh, kind of for where, where you where you have like a a leather back that is full of sand that you then can fold around the piece and then get mm-hmm. steady uh, like, like like that. So it kind of uh, um, it supports the piece the whole way around. Nice. Yeah I've always loved the Curta
0: calculators and I'm I'm always amazed that it was designed in an era without any CAD and of course if if he'd had CAD available to him he would have had no reason to design this this calculator so it, but it's it's amazing that uh that as you say he made this and designed this in a in a concentration camp and and uh I'm I'm always shocked every time I see the inside of one of those and and see just how complex they are and and how well they work for uh for all those calculations.
1: They're so compact, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But because I I, I have some uh, normal like the Otner Pinwheel calculators and and so on because I I, I really love it. also because my engineering background we then become like a little bit of a master nerd. Uh but I so, so so I really love this kind of uh thing where you can calculate something just with mechanics. I mean, it's so fascinating. And uh, and and the cutter is uh, made. Uh, it's it's not the same mechanism as in a normal pinwheel calculator, uh, but it's uh, it, it's kind kind of similar, and it's just like compressed so much in size. Uh, but when when you see it inside, it's really brilliant uh, layout. Uh, that uh, that instead of everything being aligned, then you put everything in a circle, and thereby you can also eliminate a, a lot of the parts that you will otherwise have to have uh because you only need like one one before you had like one drum per per cipher and uh, now you can have like one drum for all the ciphers because uh, the ciphers is lying around like one, one drum i don't know if it makes sense but it's uh mm-hmm. that, that that that's a really uh, an ingenious idea uh so so i had quite a lot of different uh, calculators and <laughs> it <They> just <laughs> <laughs> came to me over, over the time And one of the most crazy ones, it's like, maybe it's going to make like a film about it just to show how insane it is. I have like one of these, uh, it's like a Swedish one, it's a facet, it's called like the ESA dash zero or dash one, I can't remember, but it's an electromechanical calculator and it can do um, multiplication and division like automatically and uh, it's just... Pure madness when 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 this machine is running. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you can probably look it up on YouTube, or I can kind of make a little film about it. and then you can can see it on my feeder.
1: Yeah, in terms of the the modern aesthetics of the Curta calculator, that, that typeface that they used on the the Curta's to me seems like it's right out of a, a science fiction film.
2: Yeah, yeah, every, yeah. But that's the uh, but but that's the thing. I mean, it's totally. It's a little bit like this uh, what's called the antiquitya thing that is just like. Mm-hmm. Uh, a thousand years before there was supposed to be like a like a mechanical mechanism, it just pops out. There, there was something. Yeah, and uh, and it's a little bit like this with the Curta as well because it's the design wise uh, and also the mechanics inside the way it's manufactured, it, it doesn't correspond with the time when it was at, when it was built. Yeah,
1: I'm quite taken by the elegance and, and dimensionality of Hannah's Acanthera series of sculptural engravings. Have you or has she, for that matter, given that she's also trained as a, a watchmaker, ever considered integrating elements of that style into, say, the hands of a watch?
2: Yeah, uh, of the hands of a watch, we haven't really. But the the balance bridge of the the the, the watch we are we are making now, it's like mm-hmm. in, in, inspired of, of 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 some of that. So yes, yeah, she's she's amazing in uh, in, in in design and this Accentura, uh series that that she she's doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, what's called always impressed when I go into the workshop and something new uh, come com, comes out. If it's a piece of jewelry, a mm-hmm. sculpture, or something like that, that is uh, is, is, is is always interesting. Yeah,
0: I, I've been enjoying following her uh, one cubic millimeter project as well. I I've done a little bit of hand engraving, and I cannot get my head around just how <laughs> how good she is with a, a graver, and just how and not just how you know how accurate it is. But how good she is at sculpting, it's, uh, it's remarkable. She's an incredibly talented woman. And we, we, it's not, she isn't somebody we've talked about before on the show, and we should have. Um, but we'll definitely make sure to link to uh, to her uh, two Instagram accounts because the
2: the work that, uh, that she's doing is remarkable. Totally agree. I mean, I, I met her in uh, Vianney's workshop where she was making uh, dials uh, for him. So she was mm-hmm. in, in, in the engraver doing all the and antiquars and, and, and all this. and and since you have a a, a background in uh, first in 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 watchmaking and then uh, later in in she went to like uh, an art academy in hanau in germany uh, where she she studied like like engraving and uh, Uh and then like the combination of the two both to be like really like understand technical parts so so that is what makes really it's really great to to work with her because she she understands immediately uh, when, when, yeah. when, when we're working on a project together and it's like, it have to be like this, like that, and the height and so on, that, that there's no need for, for explanation and, and everything. So that is, uh, that is amazing to, to have like a partner that is where we can work together and, uh, and create something uh, amazing out of that.
0: Is she collaborating with you on this, uh, this series of watches that you're working on? Like, is she going to be doing the dial work or have you, uh, have you figured that out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. She, uh, CC designs the, the, the dial and uh, all the decoration and the movement, all the scripts and all this. That is her doing that. Oh, that's great. So um, yeah and not uh, to touching the cubic millimeter project there. that is, uh, that is uh, also <laughs> such an insane uh, <laughs> project. Yeah,
0: I've, I've, I've explained it to a few people and and they thought that I was talking about something that was a cubic centimeter and then I, and then I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand and I show them this <laughs> the photos that are on her Instagram feed. and yeah. it's just, it is unbelievable seeing that and you know hence Christian Anderson, who's the, the subject of this this uh, bust. Uh, he has a very distinct nose mm. and a very distinct face, and she's done an amazing job of capturing his likeness in in this little uh, this little part.
2: Uh, and that was actually like a story that his his nose was really like a huge uh, problem to this because it, it is so <laughs> big. <laughs> So 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 she had he had she first sculpture you know like the whole face ears hair everything perfect but the nose was too too short <laughs> and then the only way to make it longer is to take off more material so basically remove his whole face everything and like oh, no. like deeper and we did that like like three times un, until it was <laughs> big enough <and> long enough That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> remarkable
2: and uh, we 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 had like our, um, a producer from some TV stuff that was visiting us the other day and she looked un, at it on microscope and and we, we, we were telling about it, and it's like, yeah, now you have to, to look. There's this small pin under the microscope, and there's like Hans Christian Andersen. And and then uh, when, when, when she looked through the microscope, she, she just jumped back from the microscope, like totally surprised <laughs> like that there actually was uh, his face underneath there. <laughs> so that was uh, really fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like how, how do you and, and Hannah find the, the balance there with these two little kids running around the house, and you're both independent Forging your own careers, like how do you how do you guys make that work?
2: I mean, I think the secret to a lot of this, uh, especially independent watchmaking, is to organize your life in a way so you can. Because when when you build build a watch, it it, in the beginning is it like the main thing is finance, you know, like because Mm -hmm. you you have to when you build a watch, you basically have to finance one year to two years of work of unpaid Mm -hmm. work before you can can do that. So I have like different income streams. I have a little bit from my webpage. It's not like a like a gold mine, but I have some some there. I do a lot of speaking uh, around in in the world, right? And and then I have some restoration work. I I, I, I do it as well. Uh, so the work like balance, of course, is is so that we don't need to work, you know, like pulling twelve hours days uh, every day to to to, to make this. So that therefore we have made also a priority to, of course, to 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 have a good time with with our kids because otherwise we can spend like all the time in in the workshop uh, to um, to 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 come up with a project like this. That's also why it takes longer yeah. than it otherwise would. Of course, I've also chosen to start it up and show actually like from beginning. Uh, some some of the parts. Even also, I'm kind of further ahead than what you see on on, on Instagram because I I I kind of want to keep it uh, a, a, a little bit that I can develop things instead of just showing all the different steps in in the developing. I I kind of just want to make like the main touchdown like uh, uh, along along the way because just I made like five prototypes so far of of this watch. Mm, nice. Uh, in, in in order to to, to have it. Made, you know, before you 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 have like a function uh, main main plate that was like the biggest issue, uh, to, mm-hmm. to 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 make something that, that that works there, you know, like just when when you see it, it seems like pretty simple. Uh, there's just like a couple of cutouts on, on each side, <laughs> but but the amount of work that that goes in 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 into that,
1: it was so complicated.
2: And uh, then you realize in your drawing that 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 jewel is like, I don't know, like a couple of hundreds to to one side or the other, and then it starts to stand and then. And, uh, and, and and what's called wobble and you can see it on mm-hmm. uh, afterwards on the on your line in the graph that that you can that is <laughs> that is not running correctly and uh, all, all, all these kind of small things that is uh, that is something that that really takes a lot of effort
1: well thank you very much it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you christian
0: yeah absolutely it's been a pleasure and and again thank you very much for what you've shared it's been it's been challenging sometimes finding good information on how to do some of the work that we do and and uh it's appreciated that you're sharing some of your knowledge and getting it out there. As uh we've we've mentioned before, Philippe Dufour, one of his uh, sayings that I really like is that graveyards are full of secrets and it's it's nice to see somebody who's in his prime sharing some of what he knows so that uh it doesn't it doesn't get uh, lost.
2: Yeah, thank thank you. Because that is one that's something that is really on my mind. I mean, that is when 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 I had to learn this, it was so hard to get in information. It was first yeah. when I, I met like uh, Viani and especially the, the four. I, I don't I cannot say that is uh, know him that 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 well, but if I took some uh, at, at that time we were a couple of people going on in, in his workshop and uh, and learning like uh, uh, Geneva stripes and um, and, uh, and and doing like a uh, beveling and, 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 and all this and, and he was so kind to to, to share this kind of knowledge uh, with, hmm. with, with, with us. That it kind of inspired me as as well, you know. It was always something that kept in my back of my mind that that there's no need to hide all these uh, all these kind kind of skills. It was also the four who told me one one time because I, I kind of said like, ah, but you have to, uh, uh, you know, like share some of your secrets. And he just looked at me and said, that that that, that there is no secrets. They're just hard work. Yeah. Like just everything is described in the books. You can you can just read it, you know. Like and 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 afterwards, you know, like now I I. I worked so so long uh, with, with, this, with this kind of job, and, and I when I when I read, for example, just the Daniel's book, watchmaking. You know, like eighty percent of everything you will ever need is written in in, 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 in that book. But at, at at the time when when you're first time you you, you you read it, it seems like something is missing. You know, like you was like hmm, that's kind, kind kind of weird. It's it's, it's interesting to see all the this step. But but you don't really see the bigger pictures, how to connect all all dots uh, to, to together. That's something that that takes some some time to do it. And if if I can help uh, helping somebody else to to speed up that that process a little bit, I'm really glad to do that.
1: Yeah, fun, funny enough, Chris actually mentioned to me the other day that that you for him have sort of filled in a lot of the missing pieces that were if missing for him from from Daniel's book. So uh, you are certainly living out exactly what you're endeavoring to.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. It was so so nice to be here. Thanks
0: for listening to Off Hours. You can find detailed show notes at offhours.show. If you'd like to keep up to date with the show, follow us on Twitter at Off Hours. John can be found on Twitter at UnderTheLoop. And Chris can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Silver underscore Hand.